Hey, Gallery, welcome to The Weekly, a podcast that connects the dots between the worship experience that we've all had this last week and our real lives live this week. With your hosts, Jay Ewing, and I have a special guest today, Gary Osborne. How's it going, Gary? It's going well, Jay. It's really fun to be here today with you. Yeah, man, it's really good to have you in the house. If you don't know who Gary Osborne is, um, he's the executive pastor on the Erie campus, as well as the, what is your title in Thornton? Apparently, they gave me the launch uh, pastor, so yeah. I'm helping launch the Thornton campus. We're going to all dive into that, get his little bio. A little thing you don't know is Gary started here as a janitor. How many years ago was that? Gosh, 22. Janitor and student ministry intern. What a go- good combination for a job. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Hey, you're always late in the building anyways. It's student ministry. You might as well clean it, right? Yep. And probably the ones making the mess. <laughs> yeah. It's your mess. You might as well clean it. We'll pay you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Good times. Yeah. Let's get a bio of you. So um, this uh, family bio, where you live, what do you what do you like doing outside of working at Calvary? So I've uh, been married 21 years to my incredible wife, Angie. We have four kids. And yesterday... My second kid just got her learner's permit. Watch out now. Yeah, so everyone be on the lookout. She actually drove almost three hours yesterday to start her time. So oh, cool. Super proud Very of that fun. kid. She's a, she's a great kid. and um, I have So I have a 16-year-old and now a 15-year-old and a 12- and a 10-year-old. And so they're going to school here at Erie in the Erie area and uh, just love being a part of the community. So you, you said that you were an intern in a janitor 22 years ago so sort of give us a brief history of what you've been up to here at calvary all those years so most of my time was spent uh with students is where i spent a majority of my time here at calvary investing in them loving on them learning what it looks like to help uh, mold a kid into the likeness of jesus christ really kind of felt that call in my life for many years that i was supposed to work with all of god's energy to present kids uh, perfect in christ and so that was a a huge blessing, and man, I just love student ministry and just see uh, so much hope in the next generation that they really will live out uh, the kingdom principles, and so love um, being a part of that. And then there was just a time as my kids got older that and the opportunities for me to grow as a minister and step into a, a higher level leader and and learn how to to invest into the larger community at Calvary as well. And so I got to do that in kind of the executive pastor role, which basically is a fancy word for the complaint desk. (laughs) Uh, No, I really get to help uh, invest into the staff and build into them and hold us to the mission and vision that we feel God's called us to. And then lately they've, uh, I was asked to help get the Thornton campus off the ground in the interim time. So we could hire a campus pastor when we found the right person. And so my roles to kind of, build the team and get the systems going and, and uh, have a a great landing for whoever comes in to lead that campus. Yeah. I, if I've known you for five years now and the one word that sums you up in ministry is a builder, you just build, you build teams, you build buildings, you build, um, systems and mechanisms. That's sort of your gift to the church, right? I think that's part of what God's equipped me to do is I just love to Uh, maximize everything we possibly can. And so I think one way you do that is to create systems and processes and invest in people and, you know, see God's people step into the roles that God's called them to. 
mm-hmm. and and get out of the way because like God has created an incredible community of people here at Calvary who have a ton of gifts and talents and our our role as leaders is to equip the saints for the building up of the church and yeah Ephesians four twelve right there loving it like, right. like loving seeing how so many people are using their gifts and talents to um, reach our communities. Yeah, if if I if I had known anything in the last five years of serving and working with people at Calvary is that we have some incredible leaders that will just step up um, in crisis like we've had this last year, but not even that, but in normal seasons as the church has grown and changed and shifted and these projects have come up, there's people to step up and yeah. we have great leaders. It's not even just leadership, Jay, it's servants. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, I think that's what real leadership is, right? It's, it's humble servants who are willing to do whatever it takes to expand the gospel in, in our communities. And so that's what I keep thinking about is all these men and women who serve faithfully and do it because they love the Lord and they love the local church. Yeah, man, that's really incredible. So the first year I, um, you were my boss, you were still doing the executive pastor and student ministry. And the last, or one of the last uh, sermon series you did in student ministry was this really cool series in Acts. Um, I don't know if you remember that after all these years of doing other things, but um, I was super impressed at your sort of knowledge of Acts. And I'm saying, I'm thankful that you're here today to talk about the second half of Acts 17. Um, I think you will be a pretty good resident expert of what's going on in the text and sort of the, the macro and the micro view of um, what Paul is doing in the context of um, where we're reading as a church today. This week in the the weekly, if uh, a question came in, and for those who haven't asked a question, you can go to the weekly at calvarybible.com. Um, just type that into your email as an address for us and give us your best question. We've been really impressed over the last couple of weeks of um, the questions that have come in, they've been super thoughtful. They've been super encouraging. Um, keep that up, Calvary. So if you got a question about the sermon, about the text, um, don't hesitate to reach out to us at the weekly. Um, at the weekly at calvarybible.com. That's the email address right there for you guys. Okay, so one of the questions that came in was from last week sermon when we're in Berea. And if the, the context is that... Um, Thomas gave us a really great encouragement of being Berean-like in the sense of examining the scriptures. And someone wrote in a, just a really great question, said, um, so Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your soul as those who have been given an account. Oh, they will, who will have to give an account? Sorry for that. Which I certainly appreciate, he writes. How do we draw the line between the trust and submission and brain-like discernment? So, Gary, how would you answer that question? How do we balance submitting to our leaders as well as being brain-like in the examination of our scriptures and as uh, the pastor preaches on a Sunday from Sunday to Sunday? Well, Jay, I think first thing that we should just think about in our current times is being a leader in any situation right now is stretching to those in those leadership positions, whether it's government or schools or church or at a business, everyone's having to rethink everything they've known um, to have their organization move forward. And so I just think of all the different people who are 
being stretched all the time to rethink and recreate and reimagine kind of how to do the work they're doing um, is a really tough job right now. Right. So we should really just be so grateful and thankful that it's not always us. Like I think of the school district right now and all the things that they're having to deal with. And man, it just blows me away that, that those guys are trying their very best. Now we might not always agree with the decisions and that's fine. But I think that comes back to the question that you're asking is how do we discern, you know, what's right and what's wrong in this, in this difficult time. And then even how does it, relate to the church. Right. And so I think one of the things that we've been thinking about, okay, when it comes to who are the leaders that we want to follow, we really want to follow godly men and women. Yeah. Men and women of the scriptures who know the truth and hide it in their heart and that they are looking and drawing from that as they make decisions. So that's a that's a real key component as we think about, man, how do we how do we make decisions? It's it's rooted in the truth of the scriptures. It's right. That's really true. They have to be people that are just grounded, know their scriptures well, know how to obey them well, maybe too, how to listen and obey the scriptures. Because um, they just can't be resonant theological experts without no livable proof, right? And so I think you're saying from the first one is like, we, we must bring grace at this season for sure. Definitely. A lot of grace towards our government, our leaders, our school leaders, um, even our church leaders, because it's a really unique time. And then the second one is sort of people who actually live out the scriptures yeah. when we're talking about the local church. And I think a big mark of that, Jay, as well, and we were talking about this earlier, is just humility. Yeah. Right? That, that's what real leadership is in this time, is, is humility and servant leadership and, and men and women who really understand, I don't have all the answers but I'm going to continue to seek the Lord. I'm going to try to understand the season that I'm living in, and I'm going to do my best to respond and react to the different opportunities that we have to move things forward. Right, right. And as as Hebrews 13 is, you just got to actually know your leaders too. So not just sitting on the sidelines and say, oh yeah, they lead this organization, but I don't really know them. Is jump in and get to know these people, know their stories, know where they're from, what they think, what they believe about the scriptures, um, how they live this out in their own lives. And sometimes we get that from, especially the preachers from week to week, because they're telling stories, they're sort of revealing to us. But like, um, even with the other leaders um, within the organization of Calvary, you should get to know these people. They're real human beings. And you, one of the ways you examine someone's um, leadership is by examining their life. I mean, and then getting to know them in a personal way. So that'd be a really good encouragement for me just as you submit to those. It's always easier for me to know the heart of my leader. It's easier for me to submit to the leader, knowing their heart, knowing their intention. Um, another thing with Hebrews 13, it says, um, those who are in leadership will have to get a, an account to the Lord someday. And it's one of the daunting things as we step into as you and I are, are pastors now at, here at Calvary, and you've been one for a long time, um, we I think about this often. I'll have to give an account of the work and the ministry that I did here. Not, not just to you guys or to the accountability chain or to the leadership chain that's here that's very protective and very God-honoring, um, but I'll have to give an account to the Lord about yeah. my leadership. Jay, I think that's the thing that just you wake up and that's just heavy on your heart is like, I am responsible to the Lord first and foremost for the decisions 
that I make in regards to leadership. And that is a really um, the daunting and heavy uh, responsibility to right. think about. And fully understanding that I don't make the right decision every time. Right. It's very humbling to think about, man, I'm, I'm doing the best I can, but I know that there are times that I miss in what I could have done in that situation. Yeah, totally. And as a leader, it's really good. If you lead an organization or you lead even in uh, just your regular workplace or um, in your school district or anything like that, a leader needs to get away, be refreshed, focus on the Lord, ask the Lord what they want to accomplish in their workplace. You know, one of the things that these godly men and women were doing in the scriptures were knowing who Jesus was and having encounters with them as leaders. And sometimes, you know, seasons are busy and we get, we think, you know, it's super crucial that I'm around all the time and making these decisions at a very clear level, like minute by minute, day by day. But sometimes these people got away, spent time with the Lord, got refreshed and came back ready to lead even better because of their encounters with Christ. Yeah. We even see it in the life of Christ. Right. I think, I I think of the second most chaotic day in the life of Christ happens in Matthew 14. Right, and he kind of wakes up and he hears that his his cousin John the Baptist was beheaded. Right, and then the next action we see in the life of Christ, he gets away and he prays. Right, mm-hmm. well then he comes back from that that prayer, and then um, he feeds the five thousand. Right, right. So like he does this incredible miracle, and then he's kind of it seems like he's drained again. So he gets away to a solitary place to be alone with the Lord, and then we have the great uh, the, the I guess the sea that's. You know, and and he calms the sea and has Peter walk towards him. Right. Like throughout the day, we see Christ is experiencing these highs and lows and and doing incredible things, and his life is just full. But yet he finds time to get what I used to call spiritual recess, Mm -hmm. to take a break, to be alone with the Lord, to refresh and recharge before whatever else is coming at you in the day. Right. And here at Calvary, just so you know that um, the elders have implemented this for years now, and this is the intention of it is that like even John Boyle right now is on sabbatical. That's even in crisis mode, even in the COVID year, it's still important for him to get away and to refresh and reset. Um, and you know, I've seen it already, like after 130 days of praying and then we're going to maybe possibly launch a campus. The elder said no to Tom, you're going to get away. We, we got this. And he came back with what the Lord was doing already. Right. The same with you when it was we were rebuilding or expanding sort of the the kids quest area of Erie campus, everyone said, No, you're gonna get away, you know? Yeah, and I think it's more than just like a sabbatical day. Like there's the real day to day and week to week and month to month times that you just gotta find time to pause and get away. It's easy to say, Hey, you get this sabbatical and that's easy for us pastors on staff. And I'm thinking about those who are grinding away every, every day Right, is to find a little time. Maybe it's at lunch. Maybe it's on your drive home. You just shut everything down or you get up a little bit early and you just spend time with the Lord. Like just to have that little pause to refocus your life. Cause I know right now the, the exterior voices and the feed that's coming into my mind is Super hard to discern right? the Lord's voice right now. Totally. There's a lot of noise yeah. in, in this season. A lot of noise. A lot of noise. Okay, let's jump back into Acts 17, the second half. And we listened to uh, Tom talk about Paul and the Aragopagus this week. He's in Athens. 
Um, this is just a really interesting passage. It's, if you look at 17 and then 16 and 15 and 14, Paul is going from town to town, and he actually understands what's happening in those towns. And I, there's a fancy word called cultural anthropology. You actually sort of know and understand the culture which you're in. But it's just simply he knew he knew the town. He knew the people. He knew um, sort of the hang-ups that each region, each place he would go would have with the gospel. And this is a really good encouragement. How do you see, um, Gary, the way in which Paul moved in Acts to our everyday lived life right now? As we live in Colorado, we serve the Lord here in Colorado. We we live with these neighbors who um, are great Coloradans. We love skiing. We love the outdoors. Um, what do you see right now as chances for us to know the culture in order to share the gospel? Well, I think I really resonated with what Tom was saying and the way he was describing the people of the day of those who are just seeking pleasure. Um, and, and my home group as well, you know, just talking about just this hedonistic lifestyle that everyone is striving for today. And even how you described it just now, Hey, everyone wants to go skiing. Everyone's looking for a good time, experience the outdoors. They're wanting to, you know, just experience pleasure in any way they possibly can. And, uh, and that I feel like is a really big part of our culture right now. And so not only is the pandemic really hard, but also the pandemic is prohibiting that pleasure experience that most people have. And so now we're all, including myself, are like, Hey, all those things that I really found a lot of joy and fun and, and pleasure in are, are a little bit uh, harder to obtain. Yeah, they're a little muted. Yeah, and yeah. so you're like, oh, man, I, like how am I going to go skiing this winter? It seems like it's going to be a real pain. Or Yeah. How am I going to experience this and sh- shoot in Denver now, right? Like you have to wear a mask anytime. You're right. Even when you're on a hike all by yourself, you're supposed to wear right. a mask in the in the Denver area. So, like things are really a, a lot different. Some of those personal freedoms that we felt are being taken away. And I think that's hurting our culture's idea of I want pleasure. Yeah. It's me centered pleasure. Yeah. yeah. So how does how does one share the gospel then? You know, what is some of the things that you've seen in our culture um, inroads to sharing the gospel with those who we live, work and play around? So one thing that I just been doing in my personal time has been reading through uh, the books of Thessalonians, First and Second Thessalonians, and really and really been loving that. And it's kind of been a really good uh, tie-in, especially because you know Paul was in Thessalonica, just right. the first part of seventeen, and so in in um, I guess it's First Thessalonians two, uh, Paul Paul writes this line that I've just loved um, that that I think is something that we should kind of come back to over and over again. Um, and he said this, he said, um, starting in verse 8, or se- kind of 7, just as nursing mothers care for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Mm. I just think that's such a powerful picture of what it looks like to um, love people in our in our culture, and our community. I think you really have to spend time with people and get to know them. And then not only do you share your, the gospel, but you share your life. You open your home, you, 
you go and hang out with them. You meet them on their turf. You know, student doing student ministry for so many years was all about um, being where students were at. And the amount of time that I spent at like school plays and being the lunch guy and going to sporting events just to be on the, the turf of students was critical to right. reaching the hearts of students. It's the same with everyone is you need to go where people are at and be involved in their lives and listen to their stories, care about what's happening and find out where the gospel intersects with what's happening in their day-to-day life. Yeah. I, one of the things I've heard and I think is really true today is that people are not projects. We're not just trying to get as many people and win them to the gospel to count them or to make them a project for the season, but they're real people. They're people made in the image of God that have a story that God wants to tell in their life um, and that we got to see them that way. And one of the ways in which you humanize someone to make them a person again is you actually get to know them. You get to know sort of their story and what's going on in their world and see where the intersections where their story intersects with God's story. And you can really speak into a real relationship with them of what God maybe could do in their lives in this season. Definitely. I think it comes back to that idea, the picture that Paul paints, and is he care for them as nursing mothers. Right. Like, do you care for your neighbors, your friends, those people in your spheres of influence? Like a mother cares for their baby. And, and it's not like I'm going to hold you and crush you, but it's like I really want to get to know you. I want to know what your passions are. I want to know what your hurts are. I want to know the things going on in your life. So I can bring the gospel into those things. You know, saying that we had, and I think you guys even shared it on this a couple weeks ago, you know, we want to make natural things spiritual and spiritual things natural. That's right. And the way that you do that is you know what's happening in the lives of your friends, yeah. your coworkers, and your 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 peers at school and all those different areas. Now, that's a great phrase to lead into Paul, what Paul was doing in the last half 17 Athens. He was making natural things spiritual and spiritual things natural, right? Yeah, the way and he it, interacts with people at Mars Hill is incredible of how he takes the unknown God and communicates, well, I know who that unknown God is, and let me share with you yeah. who he is. And it came out of, a, as Tom was mentioning, a, a provoke in the sense of a really disturbing spirit of like gosh you do not know what you're missing you don't know what you're worshiping yeah i wonder today jay if our friends here call calvary home uh think about what people are missing without the gospel penetrating their lives yeah without jesus being the center of everything i, th- I think at times i forget yeah because i just go through my normal day and i forget about what christ has done for me to change my life yeah and most times at Calvary, you know, we, we live in these great neighborhoods and we have um, these great experiences with our neighbors and our friends. Um, and it's really hard sometimes when money is involved and when neighborhoods are really pretty to see actually what people are missing. But really what's really missing is the spiritual poverty level of our culture right now in Colorado. Like we have enough money to do most things and to cover up most mistakes um, but people are spiritually this poor. They really do not know uh, the meaning of life, the the joy of what life could be with Jesus. And that's just an encouragement for all of us to um, start praying to, for uh, Christ-centered eyes to see our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, 
um, not just as a project, but as people who Jesus really wants to reach. And once you start praying, I know that you know this, Gary, but once you start praying for your friends, um, something really differently changes in your heart. And you're, you're more aware of what they need and what God might be inviting you into in that story. Okay, so we're in Acts 17. Um, the, the last thing is, what, this was a question that came in this week in the weekly, is what is the sort of essence or the essentials to sharing the Gospels? How much of the Scriptures does an individual need to have in order to make a really good confession of faith? That's a really great question. I mean, a very uh, honest question. And so we talked about this, Gary, a little bit offline here, but what is sort of the essentials to sharing the gospel to our our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers? You know, Jay, I, I kind of always come back to 1 Corinthians 15. It's just such a simple, concise understanding of kind of what the gospel is, starting three. For I delivered uh, to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to a variety of different people. Like, that's the simple message of the gospel. That is the simple message of the gospel. Now, I think it's a lot more complicated than that because I think we live in a culture right now who doesn't really understand that they're sinners. Like, I, I really think everyone is trying to forget about sin and evil that we all carry in our own hearts. Right. And it's harder and harder to convince people. And I was saying this in our home group this week that 20 years ago, like most people understood that they were sinners. But now I think with the whole movement of like, whatever I do is okay. Mm -hmm. However I want to live. There is no, it's, there is no morality. It's subjective morality. It's whatever I feel is right, then that's right. So then how can I really be a sinner? Right. And so to understand that Jesus had to die for my sins, well, man, to help people understand that they need Jesus, that's a lot harder than it. I think it used to be. Yeah, I think 2 Corinthians 15 is a great chapter for you to... First, sort of, first Corinthians. First, sorry, 1 Corinthians 15 is a great chapter for you to memorize, to go back, to reread over and over again. It's a fantastic chapter. We talked about it a lot last week. But it comes down to, do the people realize that Jesus sees them as worthy to be found, sinners who um, just, he died for them, he was raised on the third day, and those are like the key elements of faith, right? Yeah. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you'll be saved. Right, that's right. And that's what we want to see for all our friends, all our coworkers, all our peers, all our friends at school. Like, we want to see them come into saving grace with Jesus Christ because we know that's where true hope and true life uh, resides in. Yeah, and it's not dependent upon you or I, professional Christians, to bring that gospel, right? No. It's everyone out there listening. It's all of our jobs to go and and do what we want to do. We want to make disciples. right? We want to teach them everything that Jesus taught us and commanded us to do. That's our hope. And so it's, it's not just the pastor's job. It's all of our jobs. Anyone right. who pro- professes Christ, it's you, our responsibility. Yeah, and you're more than capable to share the gospel too. Yeah. Like that's one of the things like you don't need to know all the answers in order to share the gospel. And it's a work of God. It is a work of God. So it's nothing we do. It's what God's doing behind the scenes and he's the one who's going to transform someone's life, not Jay Ewing or Gary Osborne. That is a, the mic drop of the morning right there is it is a work of God. And we've got to remember that when we move into those 
those spaces and those conversations. Um, and you got to pray for them. You've really got to pray for them on a weekly basis. Jesus, it's as simple as this. Jesus, give me ways and opportunities to share you with those that I'm around. And then have eyes to see it. Yeah. I mean, that's easy. That's super easy. And given the boldness to profess these great truths that I believe. Maybe you believe for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Maybe you believe for two weeks. But you're more than capable, no matter where you're on that that storyline, to share the gospel. And if you get hung up and if you've got major questions, you can always reach out to us at Calvary. We're willing to walk with you as you walk with others in those seasons um, to equip you and train you. That's back to Ephesians 4 to do the work, right? Exactly. Okay, so it's been a great morning with you, Gary. Um, thanks for coming in as our special guest on the weekly. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's really fun to have you here and just seeing what God's doing through you and um, in, in spite of you at times and just what God's uh, really just doing here at Calvary is really fun, isn't it? Jesus is doing some major, major things. It's fun to be a part of the story of God. Yeah. Right, and be in the, the will of God. And so I'm just, I'm so grateful that for the, the community that we're a part of who really loves the Lord and wants to see his name made famous. Totally. Like it's, it's a joy. So thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely, man. Okay. If you're uh, wanting to get involved here at Calvary, I encourage you to go to calvarybible.com slash events. Um, a couple things you're going to see in this season is don't miss membership is next week. So one of the ways that you can partner with us is jump into becoming a member here at Calvary just fully invested in what God is doing here in the work that you want to be a part of. Um, you don't want to miss at uh, calvarybible.com slash events. You can sign up for membership class. Others, there's several other things coming up. If you're new to Calvary, I just want to point out that starting point is going to happen in early November. And if we would love to get with you, to meet you and your family, to, for you to meet us, hear what God's been doing for 132 plus years, right, Gary? Or is it 133 right now? I forget. I lose count, but it's been a long time. Year 132 or oh, yeah, something yeah, like that. something like that. Um, but we would love to have you at starting point to get to meet you. Uh, sign up today. You can go to calvarybible.com slash events to catch all the things that are happening here at Calvary. Today, I want to leave you with the memory verse our Kids Quest team has been memorizing this last month. Um, Hebrews six nineteen. It says this, we have this as a sure and steady anchor of our soul, a hope, a hope that enters into the inner places behind the curtain. That's a very Jewish phrase, but basically means that Jesus has complete access to the Father, to God. And we, are, we have this sure and steady anchor of our souls that he has ushered us in to the presence of God. I don't know what you're going through today, what's happening in your world, but know that Christ Christ has done all that is needed and required for you to be loved, cared for, and known by God. Don't forget that, friends, here at Calvary. We love you. We, we can't wait to be with you. We miss you seeing you. Um, we look forward to the day we can gather once again all together and sing to the glorious grace of God's work in our lives in this last season. But until then... Keep praying, keep in touch, and we look forward to seeing you very soon, my friends.